As I came to the scriptures assigned for this particular Sunday, in our specific cultural moment, I was reminded of something very, very simple that seems relevant to rehearse. I've learned over the years when chaos or confusion swamps our attention, it's best to fall back on essential matters to maintain balance and focus. So for now, not an election dissection or a cultural analysis, but a reminder of an essential component of our spiritual life. And I begin with sharing a very small experience I had at the old LaGuardia airport some years ago. I wrote the story down at the time, knowing it would pop up in a sermon or two. I heard the announcement that my flight had been delayed one more time for yet another hour. This had happened now three times before along with two gate changes, so the collective sigh with punctuating shouts from the aggrieved passengers came as no surprise. Although I did expect more acting out than there was, instead a sense of depressed resignation filled the waiting area. You've probably been in that space a time or two. The only real irritation came in the form of a certain two-year-old, Sammy, who had mastered the art of manipulative tantrum with a young mother who was way out of her emotional league with her own offspring. It was a really bad scene. And being in no mood for it, I had begun imagining several possible outcomes for little Sammy when at the height of his climactic outburst, he crumpled into a chair and fell asleep. Exhaustion finally brought down the curtain on his performance as tears streamed down the face of his mother, clutching another infant. A bunch of toys and other paraphernalia had been strewn around the stained carpet in a wide arc, some close to my feet, that I collected up for her. She thanked me, and in an offhand but quietly heartfelt way, then added, You know, I never really wanted to have children, and now I don't know what to do. Then the tears ran strong. As usual in such cases, I wondered whether I had the word sucker or pastor stamped on my forehead. But with some compassion, I took the bait. And for the next 30 minutes or so, had a, had a deep conversation with this very tired and sad young woman. I did indeed have a lot of compassion for the details that she spilled out. And there wasn't much that she said that you couldn't imagine, but her fatigue likely made her more transparently honest. At least that's what I thought at the time, and it brought back a few memories of my own kids, including airports and planes, as a matter of fact. But at the end of our conversation, I offered an observation, though she really hadn't asked for my opinion. I had just mostly listened. But it was the way she presented her situation that caused me to quietly say, Donna, it seems you've got to decide whether you want your Sammy or not. It seems you have a choice to make. Which, on the face of it, was sort of a silly thing to say, given that there was Sammy sleeping right next to her, 
and he would clearly be joining all of his crabby co-passengers on the flight to Los Angeles. She wouldn't be leaving him in the waiting room. But then, as you know, I often like to say obvious things that have somehow managed to slip out of view. The obvious thing, sometimes lurking like the proverbial elephant in the middle of the room that everyone avoids as they thrash around with convoluted dysfunctional dynamics. Experience teaches that parenting presents a constant case for choosing it. The choosing never ends. As awful as childbirth may be for the mother, in fact, most cases by comparison, in most cases by comparison, that's the easy part. What follows is regularized opportunity for choosing yet another deeper dimension of sacrificial love. Wendell Berry made the paradoxical observation that parenthood is absolutely necessary and not altogether possible which seems to describe many of life's most important decisions and ventures. Marriage comes to mind. Marriage is like that. Pre-COVID, I attended a large wedding with a very high liturgy in a very impressive church that was struck, and, and, and I was struck by the inanity of the homily the minister gave that had absolutely nothing to do with the personal moment and the freight of the decisions these two young persons were attempting to make. It would have been much better had the minister kept quiet and let the occasion, the lover's public pronouncement of lifelong commitment for one another, stand on its own. Fact is, notwithstanding the various obfuscations of a minister and over-the-top folderol, thoughtful wedding guests can't help experiencing a catch in their breath as two persons make an absolutely necessary but not altogether possible promise to one another. Moments of public choice making are bracing for individuals and whole societies. Civil society is much enhanced, strengthened by such moments, I think. In a short while, our President-elect will publicly declare his fealty to the Constitution of the United States, to uphold the laws of our land, and to execute the presidential office with as much integrity as he can muster. Some of us have had a problem with the current occupant on that account. But you and I know that the next president will not do this perfectly, that his promise is absolutely necessary, if not altogether possible. And yet this commitment elevates and names the obvious choice that is set before him. We'll know soon enough whether he means it or not. And not only him, but all citizens as well. For as he makes his commitment, all of us are drawn up into the same process, not as critics external to the moment, but very much as players who are collectively as important in the execution of citizenship as he is. There's a sense in which he will be a stand-in for all of us, an emblem of what we hold dear. Would that we could all make a public commitment for advancing the cause of the common good. This would have the salutary effect of naming the obvious as citizens of a representative democracy. Obvious, but then obscure to so many so much of the time. Well, at the end of the long campaign to inhabit the land of Canaan, Joshua summoned the Israelites together. He recounted their long history, how God had 
made a promise to Abraham and how through generations leading to Moses, God had kept the promise alive. And now Joshua, successor to Moses and the general who led his kinsmen to conquest, called upon them to make a public commitment to their God. Joshua saw how easily they were seduced by lesser gods, by lesser fealties than those derived through a living covenant with their creator. So when the time was right, he named the obvious and called them to make a vow that would define all other important choices in their lives. This choice was absolutely necessary, even if not altogether possible, because it was a choice that would need constant refreshment, constant attention and evaluation, leading to an ever deeper dimension of understanding and maturation. Choose this day whom you will serve, thundered Joshua. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Not satisfied by the Israelites' initial tepid agreement, he asked them again and fortified their response with a tangible covenant establishing laws that would bind their society together in the land they now inhabited. Our context has radically changed over the millennia, but the obvious nature of primary allegiance remains very much the same. We no longer live in a theocracy. But who can deny that our first allegiance, sincerely subscribed, impacts all other allegiances? Worshiping the God of covenant love shapes all other choices that we make and inspires character focused on upbuilding the common good. This first allegiance informs our ethics concerning human dignity, our concern and compassionate regard for the poor, and justice for the oppressed. It sharpens the boundaries of our integrity. It draws out of us courage and fortitude and a capacity to do the more difficult thing, even, even to change our minds, heaven forbid, when we discover a truth larger than what we've been clinging to, all because of our first allegiance. How else to explain the tortured path of our collective overcoming of systemic injustices that had been baked into our democracy. That this process remains unfinished is simple testimony to both the absolute necessity and not altogether possible quality of these crucial choices we must make. The choosing remains for all of us, all of the time, in the manner of parents as they discover an ever-deepening sacrificial obligation to love very well for the well-being of their kids. What an awesome God we worship. What important responsibilities lie ahead for us. What a great company of friends joined together, honoring faith, hope, and love as the essential building blocks of a life well lived, holding one another accountable to the voice of the better angels of our nature, in the words of another president who had pledged fealty to our Constitution during our nation's greatest crisis. Friends, choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Affirming that together sets the ground under our feet and binds our intention to act justly, love mercy, walking humbly with God. It is so very bracing 
to share this commitment with others, bracing, ennobling, reassuring, hopeful, grounding, purposeful, dignifying our lives with a relentless focus on what matters most of all. Gratitude abounds.